Welcome to Healing Arts Podcast, Eat Well, Live Well, Be Well. I'm Dr. Alicia Armitstein. I'm a chiropractor who specializes in nutrition for the last 15 years in New York City and Connecticut. And today's episode is talking about why certain foods test poorly during a muscle testing appointment and certain foods that are healthy for you and what I generally see testing both positive and negative for patients. When you come into the office, we muscle test all these different food vials to get very specific to what your body should eat or not eat for a specific period of time. We think of it as a cleanse for the body. It's not forever. But let me tell you, the top two foods that most people have to stay away from for a period of time to really help the body heal is sugar and wheat. White flour as well. White flour comes from wheat. So any pasta, pretzels, bagels, which is a lot to stay away from. In my last podcast, I actually went into great detail of how sugar can ruin your health and healthy sugar alternatives that one could use instead. When you eat too much sugar, it can cause depression. It can cause you to store sugar as fat instead of using it for energy. It can cause you to have highs and lows in your energy, and it can lead to diabetes. Sugar makes you gain weight and feel tired. Eating fat doesn't make you overweight. Sugar does. Eating too much sugar and carbs is the reason that most people are tired all the time as well. Not to mention that sugar zaps the collagen in your skin and dulls your complexion. There is no nutritional value in white refined sugar, which most of it now comes from genetically modified beets. White sugar used to come from sugar cane, which is now usually labeled cane sugar or evaporated cane juice. There's very little nutritional value in real brown sugar as well, because the molasses holds some nutritional value, but not much. And brown sugar really is just one step away from white sugar. The molasses content in light brown sugar is only 3.5%, and in the dark brown sugar is 6.5%. Now, when it comes to wheat, sometimes patients have to stay away from wheat, but other times they have to stay away from gluten. Gluten is a protein found in grain, including wheat, but it's also found in oats, spelt, rye, and barley, and some people have a true allergy to it where their body cannot digest it. So when they consume it, their digestive tract becomes inflamed, the intestinal wall gets damaged, and over time, celiac disease forms. Celiac disease is diagnosed by blood tests and examining a small piece of tissue from your intestinal tract to see if it's damaged. But a lot of people who feel that gluten may be an issue for them go for the celiac test and it comes back negative. Yet they know that they feel a lot better when they don't eat gluten. So even though there is no true gluten allergy causing a disease, there could be a gluten sensitivity causing some symptoms. That is why I muscle test to see if gluten is a problem for the body to digest, and once off gluten, their symptoms become better. Symptoms helped by not eating gluten when indicated by the muscle testing include acne, constipation, diarrhea, gas, acid reflux, even headaches can get better. It's amazing to see how the body heals when that inflammation isn't there from eating gluten. Sometimes, though, when testing the body, I don't find gluten as a problem to digest, but wheat itself is a problem. 
we literally have different vials. The other grains, oat, rye, spelt, can be okay for a patient, but they have to specifically stay away from the wheat or the white flour. So why would wheat be an issue but not gluten? The answer is because wheat has been genetically modified and the body looks at it as a toxin instead of a food. So for some people, it is the perfect chronic poison. Dr. William Davis actually explains that in his book called Wheat Belly. He's a cardiologist, but he has a great book out there that explains more about the toxicity of wheat. And he explains that the wheat we eat today is not the wheat our grandmother ate. It's an 18-inch tall plant created by genetic research in the 1960s and 70s. This thing has so many new features nobody told you about, such as there's a new protein in it called gliadin. It's not gluten. The gliadin protein is an opiate. The thing that binds the opiate receptors in your brain and in most people stimulates appetite. That's what happens when you eat wheat. And opiates include chemicals like morphine, heroin, and opium. So the genetically modified wheat is addicting and not easy to get off of without some determination. The original wheat plant is an average about 48 inches compared to this new 18-inch plant. And it also had a lot less gluten in it. So this new genetically modified American wheat is shorter with up to three times more gluten in it. And this new protein, gliadin, the gliadin makes it addictive. So no wonder our bodies are now gluten sensitive and we feel better when we eat gluten free. Genetically modified wheat is not a food, but a poison. This is why the gluten-free trend is not a trend. It's actually something I believe in. It really is more of a healthy lifestyle, and it's here to stay since they changed the wheat plant 50 years ago. When I talk about staying away from wheat, I include white flour because white flour comes from the wheat plant. When they make it in the mill, it's bleached with chlorine. That's the difference between wheat and white flour. Bleach, can you believe it? Which we would never drink in a million years, but here it is in our food. When buying wheat, look for unbleached flour. If it says flour, then just actually assume that it's bleached. My patients and I notice when we go to Europe and we eat the wheat from there, it doesn't make us feel bad, and that is because Europe's wheat is not genetically modified, and our body knows how to digest it and use it as food. And it's actually illegal to bleach wheat in Europe. They know better. Instead, it is the miller's job to separate the wheat bran, wheat germ, and the pure white flour in order to get the unbleached white flour. One of my really good friends is Italian. She's living in Paris. And from both cultures, she explains to me that they purposely stay away from American food with wheat or white flour in it because they know it doesn't make them feel good. They call it American wheat and they purposely go out of their way not to buy it. So when people stop eating wheat, just like when people stop eating gluten, they tend to lose weight. My patients have had found relief in digestive issues, fatigue, headaches, severe PMS, definitely less brain fog, less acne. It's amazing what happens when you stay off of wheat. When making food options while staying off of wheat, you know if it is labeled gluten-free, then it won't have wheat. 
So buying and ordering gluten-free is an easy way to stay away from wheat. Besides staying away from the obvious bread, pasta, bagels, pretzels, which contain wheat in it, you also want to stay away from gravies, soups, salad dressings. They can have hidden wheat in it because they use it as a thickener. And believe it or not, soy sauce has wheat in it as well. And a lot of my patients would go to the health food store. There is gluten-free soy sauce or there's something called coconut aminos. And we'll just go to the Japanese restaurant with that in hand while ordering our sushi or sashimi. There is something called sprouted wheat, which is different. And we have a different vial in it in our muscle testing kits. Some people can't do wheat, but they can do gluten. And sometimes they'll test for, yes, they can do sprouted wheat, but sometimes they won't be able to do sprouted wheat as well. So that's why I love how specific muscle testing can get. When wheat is sprouted, it keeps much of its nutrients. Other grains such as oats, rye, rice, and quinoa can also be sprouted and healthier for you compared to regular grains. Refined, processed grains are stripped of most of the nutrients when the bran and the germ are removed. And so when making white flour, most of the B vitamins, vitamin E, folic acid, even the calcium zinc are lost. And you're left with a useless starchy food that actually has a host of negative consequences. Eating refined grains can directly contribute to obesity, high cholesterol, heart disease, and diabetes. This is why sprouting the grains or buying them sprouted is so important. As much as five times more nutrients are found in sprouted grains when compared to processed grains. And have you ever seen the label enriched flour? Well, that's bleached white flour that they put back the vitamins that they know that they took out, but the vitamins that they put back are all synthetic. It's weird that they label it as enriched and they're like saying all these vitamins and making it look like it's nutritious when it really is just really highly processed and synthetic. Before the usage of commercial farm harvesters, grain naturally sprouted in the field before it was actually milled into flour. But then during the Industrial Revolution, grain was quickly harvested before it could even sprout and move to storage bins. Sprouting foods are really considered superfoods, and that's how nutritious they are when they're sprouted. It's easier to digest. Sprouting actually breaks down the starches and grain, so when you eat it, your body doesn't have to work so hard at breaking it down. And there's an increase in vitamin B, vitamin C, and uh, there's more enzymes in the food as well. Sprouting also neutralizes enzyme inhibitors, and there's something in grains called phylic acid, which is present in the bran of all grains, which actually inhibits the absorption of calcium, magnesium, iron, and zinc. So sprouting grains actually gets the phylic acid down and makes all those vitamins more available. Sprouting grains also has a higher amount of protein and enzymes in it. Those who have allergies or intolerances to wheat or grains in general may find that they have absolutely no negative reactions to sprouted grains. So it's definitely worth trying. And nuts, seeds, and beans can actually be sprouted as well and are healthier for you when they are sprouted. 
but actually I guess the word we use is soaking. So you sprout grains, but you soak nuts and beans and seeds. But it's the same idea to get the phylic acid and enzyme inhibitors off the food and have the enzymes and protein open and easy to absorb. The process also helps to alkalize the body. And alkalizing is important because bacteria and disease don't seem to flourish in an alkaline environment. When nuts are soaked, their pH increases, which makes them more alkaline and healthier for the body. We have a nut and seed vial, and we also have a bean and legume vial to test people. A third vial we have is just for peanuts. We muscle test peanuts separately because in the manufacturing of peanuts, mold easily grows on them and is the main reason why peanuts are a true food allergy. I don't think it's as much as the peanut, but the mold is what causes the anaphylactic reaction. When people test in my office to stay away from peanuts, it could just be a sensitivity, and we want them to stay away from not just peanuts, but peanut butter, peanut oil, and they just have to read labels carefully to make sure it's not in there. To learn how to soak and sprout nuts, seeds, grains, I will leave a link in the description of the podcast so you guys can learn more. Besides testing wheat versus gluten versus sprouted grains, the other carbs we test for is white rice versus brown rice. Brown rice is known to be healthier and people voluntarily eat brown rice thinking that they're making a healthier choice. But what if they aren't? It is true, brown rice has more fiber and nutrients than white rice, but sometimes the fiber doesn't do well with people who have an inflamed gut. The fiber can be scratchy to the intestinal wall, irritating the inflamed gut. The second reason why someone would test negatively for brown rice is that brown rice plant has the ability to absorb arsenic from the soil. Arsenic is not normally found in soil, It should never be there, but if the soil is contaminated, then the brown rice will absorb it. Believe it or not, arsenic is found in conventionally raised poultry because it is in the commercial chicken feed. It also can be found in wine, treated wood, pesticides, insecticides, paints. I've seen arsenic in table salt and tobacco. So arsenic poisoning, in a way, unfortunately, it is just like a way of life that nobody's ever told you about. A healthy body, though, arsenic in, arsenic out. The body will be able to detox it on its own. But those who are sensitive to it need to stay away from it for a certain time while we can help the body get healthier and be able to detox it on its own. And you know what? Just a quick side note. Kale will absorb thallium from contaminated soil, just like brown rice absorbs arsenic. Thallium is a different type of heavy metal. Kale is a superfood that people have been eating thinking that they're healthy, but if your detox pathways aren't open and you can't handle the thallium, then you'll need to be careful. And that's the beauty of muscle testing, to figure out if kale is something you actually need to stay away from too. To talk more about heavy metals, I'll leave that podcast as a link in the description as well. Now, to go back to white rice. I mean, it can spike up the blood sugar easily. 
eating sprouted rice is healthier and it does not absorb arsenic or fiber that can be irritating to the wall. It's neutral, meaning it does not harm, but nor does it have really nutritional value. But it can be an easy carb to eat while avoiding gluten and wheat. Oats is another carb that people think is healthy and is known to specifically be heart healthy. Everyone is like, I have my oatmeal every morning. But there are so many people that have had to take a break from their daily oatmeal after being muscle tested precisely because they are having it daily. Foods need to be rotated for optimal health. The body cannot eat the same thing over and over again. It puts too much stress on their digestive system. The body needs variety. It needs the different nutrients from different foods. My rule of thumb is to rotate foods every four days, so you will need three different breakfasts. One for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you can rotate again. Now, speaking of breakfasts, one of the other things we test for are organic egg versus common egg versus egg whites versus egg yolk. We want to be very specific about what type of egg you can eat, if any, and if so, what part of the egg you can eat. If you think buying organic egg is best, there's more. Organic eggs are really just a step up from regular eggs. If you see the word organic on a label, including eggs, you might think that the hens who laid the eggs lived a better conditioned life than the friends in cages. But even certified organic eggs can come from birds who are subject to living in inhumane factory conditions. Most industrial egg laying operations get by following the minimum standards required. They are allowed to do this simply by including a small porch attached to a two-story building where chickens are housed and they can call this an outdoor access. Certified organic eggs come from hens that are raised on hormone-free and antibiotic-free organic feed, unfortunately full of corn and soy, and have access to outdoor areas. But those living conditions, the chickens are not their healthiest to produce the healthiest eggs. If you can't even trust a certified organic label for eggs, what eggs do you buy then? And now, let me explain to you all the different labels. Cage-free, now this is a loose term, it's unregulated, describing eggs could be from hens confined to a barn or from chickens with access to outdoor space. There's no specific regulation for the term cage-free, and there is a big difference between these options. Cage-free producers are not audited by independent inspectors, unless they're also certified organic. That's why we don't really know. Many people buy cage-free eggs thinking that they have access to outdoor pasture, but the truth is they usually live inside dark, enclosed sheds. The chickens are free to roam around within the confined space and to stretch and spread their wings, which is a significant improvement over being caged, but they still don't really typically roam free in outdoor pastures. Now, free range, even though it sounds good, doesn't mean pasture-raised any more than cage-free does. Free-range chickens, you would think, should have access to outdoor, but again, there's no regulation guaranteeing this. Free-range hens can still be fed GMO feed, given antibiotics and other animal byproducts. 
They often live in overcrowded conditions and may or may not have access to comfortable perches. Now, omega-3 enhanced, have you seen those eggs? Come from chickens that consume significant amounts of flax, which contain a lot of omega-3 fatty acids. Most omega-3 enhanced eggs are laid by hens in battery cages, so it doesn't mean that they're good quality. Now, what egg you want to look for is pasture-raised. These are the authentic free-range eggs that come from hens raised on grassy pastures. These eggs are visibly more nutritious than eggs obtained from cage-free or confined environments. Now, pasture-raised eggs, these are the authentic free-range eggs coming from hens raised on grassy pastures. And these eggs are visibly more nutritious than eggs obtained from cage-free or confined environments. The color, flavor, and texture of a pasture-raised egg is distinctly noticeable. And it's because of the high amounts of vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin B12, even has more calcium and choline. And a pasture-raised egg is a true superfood. If you've never eaten an egg from a hen raised on sunshine and bugs and grass, then trust me, you're in for a treat. Now, you're specifically looking for pasture-raised eggs, not pasteurized. Some eggs are labeled pasteurized because they've been treated to eliminate bacteria such as salmonella, and they can be eaten raw. And if you're confused by this conversation about eggs, and you're not even sure what eggs you buy are good or not, there is a website, Organic Egg Brand Scorecard. I'll leave that link in the description where you can specifically look up your brand of eggs and they'll give the eggs a score and you'll know if they're really good enough or not. So that's it for this podcast. I'll continue next week and talk about healthy versus non-healthy foods in the next episode as well. We'll cover more about corn and soy, milk, cheese, and chocolate. 